Greetings, listeners. Welcome back inside the Feral Zone. I am Renee Komen, operating under cover of darkness, here from an undisclosed location in the Valence Corridor of New Orleans. Uh, we're back with the uh, Feral Zone podcast, a sister podcast to the Troubled Men podcast. And I'm here with my esteemed guest host, the great John Papagro. He's a fantastic uh, organist, piano player, singer, songwriter, band leader, founder of the Papa Grows Funk Band, as well as a veteran of the uh, George Porter Jr. and the Running Partners. He's also a member of uh, Funk on the Table and the leader of the John Papa Grow Band. So, without further ado, the great John Papa Grow. Welcome, John. Where you at? Hey, <laughs> okay. Coming in hot, coming with the big energy right away. Yeah, okay. where you at? Okay. <laughs> So, uh, so John, we uh, we've you know played together for many years, known each other. We just completed a, a tour of the uh, the the Ohio Valley and some other Midwestern uh, spots. There, we went out for a couple of weeks. You and I, a tight little four-piece group. Yes, we survived. We survived. Yeah, yeah. They were. It was. Uh, uh, you know, like always, out on the road. You know, once you leave Orleans Parish, it's heart of darkness. You know, it's uh, it's all bets are off. That was when it started bad, and uh, it got better as it went. Oh yeah, no, it started started real rough. Well, not not because of the band, because no, of uh, technical the, the and van. Uh, the van, because the van. of the van. Yes, the van the, did not cooperate. Yeah, the 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 band was cooperative, and uh, in fact, we did uh, do an overnight drive to start off. It's it's always nice to uh, you know really dig yourself a hole to climb out of so uh but the, all the gigs went well and uh you know dragging the b3 around b3 came out yes. went back in every time it's a strong tour of duty oh yeah oh yeah well you know me i've, I've been moving the b3 since i'm uh, seven years old so i i, I know my way around them. yes you do so uh, on, on that trip, uh, you know, being a, a former guest of the Troubled Men podcast, uh, you, you always want to offer uh, suggestions as to uh, get people that would be great guests. And you came up with a, a fantastic one. And it's, it's a guy who I've been wanting to get on the, the podcast for a long time. And, uh, you know, he's a very busy guy. He's got a lot of, uh, a lot of hats he wears. And, but, but you were able to put it together. So I do appreciate that, uh, that uh, pre-production, John. You're, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Persistence get, usually wins. Get Not on, all the time. Right, right usually on. Usually wins. So, uh, so I guess we'll get right into our guest here. Yeah. This is a fellow that, that you've done a bunch of work with, uh, with, with your band. And, you know, he's, he's one of the elder statesmen of, of, of New Orleans. He's, a, he's a, a big chief of the Golden Eagles tribe. He's a fantastic singer and, and uh, recording artist, percussionist. Uh, uh, he's, he's put out a whole bunch of solo records, and including his latest uh, Grammy-nominated record, uh, Bloodstains and Teardrops, solo record. He's also a, a, a member of the Wild Magnolias and participated in all their classic uh, 70s recordings. So uh, we'll get into all that, but without further ado, the great big chief, Monk Boudreaux. Welcome, Monk. Oh, yeah, Monk. Pleasure to be here, man. Man, oh, man. Right here in your house. Thank you for having us, having us uh, inside. Uh, well, just to start off, maybe we'll we'll get a little bit of 
background on you first, and then we'll get into uh, you know the the whole tradition. Also, tell us, uh, you grew up in New Orleans, I assume. Yes, I did. Uh, what neighborhood was that? It was uptown neighborhood around Second and Dry. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And then is it Ground Zero? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, so tell us about that. What growing up in that neighborhood? What what kind of activities did y'all have as a child? Uh, but, but you know, as we was coming up, it like it was a mixed neighborhood, and like uh, they had a lot of Indian people around there, a lot of white people, and uh, we come up, you know, like uh, kids that run around and see. So as I was twelve, my dad masked Indian before I did, hmm. and uh, we always helped him out, you know get out the door in the morning, which they used to come out at 5 o'clock in the morning, which that had changed. And then as I grew older, I, I knew it already, but I just wasn't ready for it. I got 12 years old, I was ready to step out on it. So, okay. so I started messing with the, um, the White Eagles, and that was one of the biggest tribes uptown. And so when I started with them, I was a chief scout. And I was, you know, I wasn't really down into it then because uh, I didn't put much into it. And, uh, like, I was the raggedest Indian out there, you know. So, <laughs> but I knew what I had to do in that next year. Then I got into it, really. And then the next year, I was chosen to be the chief. At 15? Yeah. 14, 15? Yeah, but that was just a thing where it was like what they do, they'll look at all the youngsters and they'll figure out which one was qualified to be the chief. And so I was chosen then, but I didn't come out to be the chief until I was 19. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So you're, they, they pick you, you're kind of anointed ahead of time, so you're like in training. You know yeah. you better be learning all the, all the chants exactly. and stuff. Well, so as, as, the, as, a, as a, a chosen chief at that time, what kind of responsibilities did you feel like you, you now had? Well, during this time there, you know, you had to be responsible for The chief had to be responsible for the whole tribe. And like uh, I was responsible for everything that goes on in the tribe, and they taught me, you Making know. Sure they show up at Indian practice. Oh, uh, and teaching you the songs, the, the dance, songs. you know, and uh, you had to be there every Sunday at the chief house, the older chief house, and that's where they teach you at. You know, it was a hidden culture for many years, mm -hmm. and we used to go to the chief house, and they taught me everything that I knew about who we were, and you know, like. Uh, we brought it to the bars, and then it got, you know, like everybody so was there. It originally was in the homes. It wasn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, like I say, it was a hidden culture for many years, you know. Huh. Now, why was that? Well, I could never, you know, put a, I would say, put a hidden on that because the elders had their own way of doing things, mm -hmm. you know. And so uh, when we came out into the bars, then it was open to the public. But then it was hiding a lot, you know, from us. They didn't teach us a lot at home about who we were because they didn't want to talk about it. And like when we was kids, we had to go outside. When the elders get together, we had to go outside because they didn't want us to know what they was talking about. Okay. Uh, either they was speaking in French. You know, my grandfather, he, uh, we found a... Uh, 
a newspaper clipping in the library of commerce where he was doing French commercials for Louisiana coffee. No kidding. Yeah, and I had the picture right on my wall in there today. So. See, that's the same with, with, with my parents. Uh, my dad grew up in the Thibodeau area, but his parents, my, great, my, uh, my grandparents, they spoke French to each other, but they did not speak French to him. Right. And that generation did not learn that. No, they didn't want us to know. Mm -hmm. And they had their own reasons for not, you know, what it was. I think they was hiding from, you know, the people that would send them somewhere else where they didn't want to be. Okay. Well, you know, a lot of these, like, uh, you know, there's a certain esoteric knowledge that there's levels of initiation with, with different secret groups, you know, and it's like you got to work your way into the, the inside of the organization before they, they give you all the secrets, you know. And, you know, I had a, a interview with a, a Native American, you know, and uh, I was telling him what I'm telling y'all mm -hmm. now. He said his dad did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, people hid it for their own reason, you know, and they didn't want us to know why. But they figured we'd get out there and talk about it and it'd be all over, mm -hmm. you know. So The way I was told with, with the French culture, the Cajun culture, is that if they spoke French in the schools, they'd be, look, be looked down upon and wouldn't have the same opportunities to get jobs later. <laughs> Well, my grandfather was a carpenter. My dad was a painter and a carpenter. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a painter, carpenter, sheetrock hanger, finisher, you know, because that was in the family. Right, right. Yeah. Now, the, the French-speaking, uh, how, how, did, how did your family wind up being French-speaking? Or, or uh, they never told us. Okay. Right. <laughs> they never told us. Right. And, you know, like one time we was at a wedding and... Uh, my mom was in there, and uh, one of her older friends came in, and they was, you know, speaking French. And I didn't know she knew it, you know. No kidding. She said, oh, yeah, your grandfather taught me, you know, huh. why they didn't teach us. All right. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So so you're, you're 15 years old. You're a big chief in, or, or chief in training. You're... You're learning the, uh, the, the chants. You're learning them from the, from the, the older chiefs. Uh, now, this is uh, j just the, the, the tribe in, in this area, um, in this neighborhood. But, but of course, you know, for, for listeners, I mean, I, I grew up around this in New Orleans, but, you know, we have listeners all around the, the globe. So, you know, I just try to you know, fill, this, fill them in on, on Mardi Gras Indian culture. So, so can you tell us a little bit about, uh, so that was in your neighborhood, but then you have, have groups all around the city. Yeah, well, they had, you know, uh, groups like uptown, back of town, downtown, and, you know, like, uh, it would say north, south, east, and west. But the majority of the Indians that's in the city came from uptown. Okay. And they moved downtown. And, you know, like, in, uh, then they started their own tribe. Mm -hmm. And like I tell them today, we the same people. Because to how you feel about downtown or uptown, it don't make a difference because we're the same people. And if y'all could go back and see if they had some elders teaching them, they'll know that. But nobody teaching them and they come out, they just think that they already know, but they don't. Uh-huh. Sometimes this knowledge, if you, if you try to uh, keep it protected for too long, it doesn't get transmitted, and it gets <laughs> yeah, lost well, in the, across the generations. Well, when they, when they protected it, but they knew one day it would come out, you know. That's why we was being taught 
the songs and all that, you know. And uh, we come out with the songs that never been taught nowhere in the world. Nobody never heard of these songs before until we came out with the Wild Magnolias. The Golden Eagles and the Wild Magnolias came out, and we brought it to the world. Right. And, you know, it was some powerful message. <laughs> oh, man, the, the people weren't ready for that, man. They, 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 it's, it, it's so different from anything else that exists anywhere else. You know, you go oh, yeah. all around the world, and, yeah, you'll find... Um, you know, some parallels in other traditions, but man, Mardi Gras yeah. Indians from New Orleans, it's like, you know, a, a unique thing, man. Well, the record company actually told us we'd before our times. Right. And they cut us loose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, you know, so, so you're talking about uh, like the, the 70s when, I mean, that's the my first... Uh, uh, being aware of, of combining Indian chants with, with funk and R&B. Yeah. Uh, was that going on in, in the, the bar rooms of the neighborhoods before it was recorded? No, we was like, uh, we was uh, just had percussion. We had a percussion uh, band, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Drums and tambourines. And, and we uh, met Quint Davis. He came to our practice and he said, y'all making music that they don't do nowhere in the world. So he put us together with... Uh, Willie T and the Gators, mm -hmm. and we did a recording at uh, Tulane University. That's where that's we did right. our first recording. Record was at Tulane? The, no, but that's where we did the recording. That then we went to the studio in the country, okay, in Bugalooses, and did the recording. Oh, all right. Yeah, so you know we was like unknown to mm -hmm. the world, you mm -hmm. know, and when we come out with this record. It was, you know, fire, and like people just didn't know what it was. Right, you know? <laughs> they didn't have where any way to relate. They, where they come from, you know? Right, totally fully formed yeah. with with the whole, especially you know the the the, the suits and all. It's oh, like yeah. it looks like y'all, you know, came from another planet almost. <laughs> and did y'all tour that record at all? Oh yeah, yeah, we went all over the world. Which I went all over the world with just the percussion, you know, with the Golden Eagles. Before that, yeah, okay. with the Golden Eagles, because uh, that's where the power was. You know, we had the power, and I joined the Wild Magnolia, so we put some more power with that you know and then they brought the music to which i didn't ever like the music at all i wanted to do it the percussion is way the way i was taught you know but yeah yeah you 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 weren't you took you a while to warm up to to playing with the whole uh oh, funk yeah. rhythm section yeah because i wasn't used to that you know mm -hmm. and uh i said well i might as well go with it <laughs> <laughs> that was a powerful one-two punch, though, between you and Chanton and 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 Bo singing. Um, yeah, I mean it was everything right there. Oh yeah. Well, you know, hey, and they told us we four our times, and so like, wasn't nothing we could do about it. it seemed like it's still not our time. Just waiting for the world to catch up. Yeah, they'll catch up. Right. I done been all over the world, everywhere. You know. Sure. I have nowhere I haven't been. Right. Yeah, because I carried a torch. Nice, nice. Yes, you're considered the elder of elders. I, uh, yeah, I'm 80 years old. Okay. So that's you're the, the oldest big chief in, in New Orleans oh, now? Oh, yeah. The chief mm -hmm. of chiefs. Chief of chiefs. Nice. So uh, going back to, uh, you know, your, your uh, chief in, in, in training, at, at 19, you say, you, you take over the, the reins kind yeah, of? And, and you right. Are you big chief at that time? Yeah. Okay, so at 19 years old, big chief of, of, the, of the Golden, Golden Eagles. Eagles. Yeah. Well, it was White Eagles before. It was Golden Eagles. And the chief lost his banner. 
So then they changed, we changed the name to the Golden Eagles. They were the original White Eagles. Uh, I never heard that before. So it was yeah. originally the White Eagles. He lost his battle in a, yeah. like, just losing it or lost it in a battle? A battle. In a battle, okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, you know, I've, 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 I've been places, I've heard at, at times some of these uh, competitions, I know it's supposed to be friendly and stuff, but sometimes people would, would, would take these things a little seriously, huh? Well, it's, yeah. Sometimes a little bad blood, people had to, had to wear it off. or. Well, or, they got all kind of people, you know, and like, it's the it, thing that I, what worries me when I see an older dude trying to put force up on a younger kid, you know, that, that don't work with me. Mm-hmm. You want to deal with somebody, do with one of them elders out there, them older dudes, they know what to do. And like we was taught that this was going to happen, you know, the older guy's going to try to, you know, challenge you to see where your heart at and all that. Yeah, but your heart got to be on the right side. Okay, so that's part of it. That's, oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. part of the culture. Don't let them scare you. Okay. <laughs> Man up. <laughs> yeah. Well, so describe to the the listeners, uh, you know, what what the the year of of activity as a as a Mardi Gras Indian is. You know, you you you're sewing all the time. Well, give us like the the rundown of a calendar. Well, it's year. it's sort of like a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. And once you start sewing, you can't stop until that time come. And you know, like everything else is pushed on the side. And it matter like when I was younger, I didn't even pay my light bill because I had to finish my Indian suit, <laughs> you know. Because the supplies are not cheap for the Indian Well, suits. now it was cheap then, but okay. now everything is going up sky high, you know, like uh, you could take $5 and go downtown and buy, I mean, a lot of stuff. Now you can't buy nothing for the Indian for $5. And you're you buying know. the stuff you're buying is sequins, yeah, rhyme, feathers, rhinestones, rhinestones, yeah, beads. Okay. And like, uh, matter of fact, our feather just jumped up to another hundred dollars. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, say hey, everything goes up, you know. And I say, like, a lot of people complain about gas going up. Gas been going up since I was a kid. Sure. Everything going up. It's not going down. No, we used, to, going down. we used to go to the store with a nickel and get a cold drink and some cookies. Right. <laughs> not today. You can't even spend a penny on nothing. No, no. Well, so, yeah. so if you're sewing, does do you sew a suit for St. Joseph's Night and a suit no, for Mardi no, Gras? No, no, no. No, it's the same suit. Same suit. So you're sewing yeah. one suit for the whole year. Yeah, right. And then and next, does that start... Soon after St. Joseph's Night? Well, all depends on how good you are. How much time you need. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's really good about how much, how fast you could sew. Like, I'm really, I haven't even started yet. But it was a thing where, you you know, uh, we made the song every year around Carnival Time. We make a new suit. Yes. Red, yellow, green, purple, blue. That's the color. <laughs> you can't you can't make a suit like I wear in a year. So which we did, they taught us how to make every three years you have to change your front mm. and put your front of the last year in the back and make a new front. That's the only way you could keep up every year. 
Well, yeah, because the detail is so. Oh yeah, and so uh, specific. Like a lot of guys now, they come out every two years, every three years, because that's how long it take to make a whole full Indian suit the way we wear. Do you, you know, draw it out. You yeah, it, and uh huh. Then, and then I do everything. Make a pattern, and then yeah. Yeah. So, so you start working on it what time? Well, me, anytime. I, right. have, I haven't started yet, but I know where I'm going at already. I know what I'm going to do. Right. But once, but once you start, don't uh, bother Monk. No, I, they, they, they know better. <laughs> so so uh, what what events during the year would you, would you be wearing the suit for? Well, I have uh, my suit. I wear it, you know, like I'm a musician also, so I wear it on gigs. Right. Which I have two suits. But I don't wear the other one. I wear the new one there. And then when it some time, I start taking it loose and coming up there, you know, with a little bit on mm-hmm. this out now. But I'm I'm started beading, putting more to it. And then when Mardi Gras come, I done finish my beading, everything, and put together. Then I take the old patches and put somewhere else, you know, and put the new ones in the front. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And I know these these suits are not light either. They're very uh, oh, no. can, can be very heavy, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> like, like fifty pounds sometimes. Oh, so yeah. we, we played uh, in August out in Napa, California. Not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> was it ninety something degrees oh, outside? Jesus. And Monk was Monk was in the full suit. I was like, oh yeah. Well, you know, when you put the suit on, you know you're gonna sweat. You're gonna be hot. But, you know, if the spirit is there, you ain't even worried about it. You're going to be hot either way it go. It was there that <laughs> right? day. Yeah. Well, so, well, describe that. What, when you put the suit on, what, what kind of transformation do you feel come over you? Well, you know, you, you, the power come to you. You know what you got to do when you get out there, you know, and you got to watch everybody. You know, you got to watch other tribes. You got to watch who in your tribe, who's drunk and who's not drunk. Because drunken Indian is the worst Indian in the world, and where I come from, <laughs> you know. So, so you gotta you, you gotta make sure all of your people are in check. Oh yeah. And then you gotta be looking out for other people who who's uh, who, yeah. who are, whose tribes are not keeping them in check. Yeah, right. And then that's where I step in there, and I let the chief know this ain't supposed to happen. You could stop it. Uh-huh. We don't want to stop it because if we stop it, it ain't gonna be nothing nice. You stop it and make it right. I see. So everybody's got to police their own. Yeah, because once it start, you know, somebody gonna get hurt. Yes. Because you know all the followers you got with you, they gonna be into it and that. And I say that's ain't what we about. You know, we ain't about we not like I was in uh, London, England. Mm-hmm. And I was doing an interview, and they thought we was gangs like uh, the Bloods and the Crips. Uh, <laughs> I say, no, 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 not that. <laughs> no, no, we're yeah. not them kind of gangs. And you know, it's funny, like, uh, you know, the, the those gangs, Bloods and Crips, start out in L.A. They actually kind of uh, moved across the country, moved into different towns and cities, uh, you know, the Midwest and, yeah. and all never came to New Orleans. That, that never took hold here. Well, we don't have gangs. They had some came here, I think, after Katrina crossed the river. Right. I mean, they, they tried rid, to, they but... got rid of them right quick. Yeah, they, yeah. like the, the culture of New Orleans just, just wouldn't... It's, and it's so interesting because we do have this, you know, the uh, 
neighborhood associations and stuff in the same yeah. kind of way, but it's the the heart of New Orleans didn't want to embrace all that that other no, stuff. No, no, no. We don't we don't need that. Right? Oh well sure. And no. I mean nobody it's not good for anybody, right. but sometimes it, it'll it'll take hold, but not in New Orleans, man. Well they had a lot of uh wasn't gangs, but a lot of violence happened in New Orleans before Katrina, you know, especially up here. Well, sure. It's, yeah, so it, it was all... crazy. Well, that was the drug thing. Right, yeah, right. You know, it was crazy. But their respect, you know, like I come up here, you know, I raised my kids up here. And they used to respect me and my kids, you mm-hmm. know. They'll tell you, go inside. Something about to go down. And they won't be lying either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was the same with Tootie Montana. When yeah. he spoke and he came out, they gave him the respect. Oh, yeah. Well, that's see, that's what they do now. All the Indians in the city respect me. That, that, that one time, these young boys didn't even know who I was. And they trying to stop me from passing on one of our Super Sundays. And I told them, I say, look, man, I know you don't know what you're doing, but... You can't stop me. I'm going this way, bro. I'm going to tell you that street. But he lucky my gang was behind me a couple of blocks, you know. And his chief seen what he was doing and told him, man, leave that man alone. You don't even know who you're messing with. Mm-hmm. So they, they sent him up here that uh, 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 St. Joseph night and told him, you going up there and apologize to him, both of y'all. And if anything happened to you, deserve it. <laughs> but I stopped that. Right, right. You know, I say, no, we ain't going there. I say, because one thing, if anything happened to these two guys up here, it's going to be on the Indians. And I say, that's going to put the police involved, and they're going to be like it used to be. We're going to be in trouble, you know, one way or another. So we don't want to cause no trouble to what we're doing. That's what we're getting away from. right. And they, they understood that, you know. And, I mean, you, you mentioned Tootie Montana a minute ago, John, and, and uh, you know, famously the, the police uh, didn't always have such a, a great attitude towards the, the Indians. No. <laughs> they should put us in jail. Now, for what? Just for blocking the streets? or I don't know, but we went to jail, but the, <laughs> the judge told them, don't bring these people in here no more. This is their tradition. Uh-huh. And that's what stopped that. Yeah. And then they start like uh harassing you, you know, coming down street with their siren on and ain't going nowhere. Mm. Just to make you move out their way, which which we do. Mm-hmm. You know, but hey, I mean, they got a job to do too, you know. But hey, do it right. We're not harming nobody. Sure. We're carrying on what the old people taught us to do. How much interaction goes on? I know a lot of interaction goes on within your tribe. But yeah. how much interaction goes on over the years between the tribes themselves? Well, you know, when we was coming up, we got together and we start going to all the tribe, Indian practice in the city, to get to know them, you know, and get them to know us. And, and each tribe would have their own practice. Yeah, and invite them to our practice. And so we got to know these guys and know them well. We always like, you know, friends. Mm-hmm. But the youngsters today, they can't see that far. You know, and they, they'll come up and they'll try to do, it ain't going to work, but they're going to try it. 
you know. Just generate some conflict. Oh, yeah, yeah, but it ain't going to work, you know. And, like, if we know they're there on this calendar, I tell them, don't go that way. Go this way, because if I go that way, we're going to get into it. Let's mm. go around them. Then the chief, you come in. Man, I tell you, look, I didn't come down that street because I know you was there. And I say, I don't want to start anything. I say, but guess what? You ain't nothing your tribe could do us, bro. Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. So I don't want to get into that. Oh, no, chief, it ain't about that. You know, you come on in, man, come on. I say, no, because you ain't teaching your Indians in front of you nothing. And you seem as though you don't never know what's going on. And you the chief. Right. You know? He's he not keeping his in check. Right. He know what's going on. Believe me. He know. So, so uh, Indian practice, how, how frequent is that? Is that a weekly? Uh... Yeah, every Sunday. Okay. Yeah, well, it used to be every Sunday. Now mm. they done broke it down. Uh, it's a lot of them not having practice, you know, because a lot of chaos go on in practice. Mm. You know, that's where they start at in practice. Yeah. Instead of going there to have a good time, they got them coming there to act a fool. You know, in, in the nineties and the two thousands, Honda Wand, it was every week. Oh yeah, it was, it was uh, like oh, yeah. work every well, week. Well, that's uptown. <laughs> well, when we was coming up, we had practice. We had this in check. If you come in our practice and you acting a fool, you got to go and you can't come back. Mm. And I mean, everybody get you out of that. You know, ain't no one person coming to you. Everybody, let's go, bro. You got to go. Uh-huh. And they leave, and then they're come back and apologize you know because know why everybody there but except them right <laughs> you know they want to be a part of the thing yeah, yeah well that's, that's right it's 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 so fantastic that you have this uh this tradition that that you know it's uh self-reinforcing it's uh you know teaches the young people something brings them into uh into this this esoteric society yeah I mean, it's like I said, it doesn't doesn't exist anywhere else. It's uh, it's a right. A, a, and another thing, we come in all colors. Yeah. Yeah, all colors. You know, I had an interview with a chief one time. This was a lady. She was a chief of a tribe up around home or somewhere, and uh, we did it on the telephone. And she told me, she said, uh, "You all should be ashamed of yourself to mock the Native Americans." So I told her, I said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for telling me that because it seems though you don't even know. She said, what I'm supposed to know? I said, well, just check out your history and you'll find out. She called me back a week later and apologized. She said, Chief, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Right. What didn't she know? She didn't know that we're Indians too. Uh huh. Just because we dark, I'd say we come in all colors. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not the Indian isn't just a name. That, right. That that y'all chose. It's that, uh, it's a, no. You have y'all carry that lineage. That's right. We was right. taught as a kid who we were. Right. You know, and they, she she apologized. She found out. You know. Now, uh, you're saying they have uh, you have. Uh, tribes all around the city has anyone ever tried to to establish uh uh mardi gras indians outside of new orleans somewhere well they do have some uh a tribe uh where they at they i seen them on facebook they did have a tribe of indians uh dressed different from us mm-hmm. you know 
but they got a tribe. I don't know where, somewhere up the road there. I don't know where. Like Mississippi, no, close or fur, further away? Uh, a little further away. Now, is that from people that transplanted it from New Orleans, from the tradition here to, to somewhere else? Well, I can't see because I only seen them on Facebook. Okay. A friend of mine, you know, told me about them, and All I right. went on, I seen them up there. But uh, they have Indians dressed other places. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I, got a, I got a question about the hierarchy in the tribe itself. So, you know, you're the big chief. Right. You were 19, you were just the chief. No, I was the big was chief. The big chief at 19. Yeah. And is there a role of just chief to big chief? Two different positions? Well. And then there's like flag boy. Uh, flag boy. Wild man. Spy boy. Spy boy. Flag. Spy first. Then the flag boy. Then the wild man. Then another spy. You got three spies, three flags. Wild man. Sometimes they run double. If you got a big tribe, you have two of each. But uh, yeah, that's the way it go up. And Chief Scout, that's the coming up. That's the one who's gonna who's being groomed to be the yeah, big chief. Yeah, right. Well, he don't necessarily have to be the big chief, but he's growing up to be that. Like uh, my grandkids on the wall. Yeah. One day, one of them will be my son or my grandson will be the big chief mm-hmm. when I retire. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out what you want. And you get to a point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where do the baby dolls come in? Well, they had queens, well, see, like a long time ago, they had 101. Red, white, and blue had 101. That was a tribe. But it wasn't all Indians. It was baby dolls, skeleton men, and, and moss men, and Indians. Hmm. So that's what made 101. Okay. So all that was part of the Indians dressing out in different ways so when we was kids all that used to be there the baby dolls skeleton men and moss men they used to be with the indians and that brings me to the question that i had that i wanted to ask the relationship of the skull and bone skeleton skeleton men that always was in conjunction at the same time as the mardi gras indians right yeah exactly they just didn't carry on as strong over the years but now they're starting to come back well yeah well that all this created uptown and then mm-hmm. when they took it downtown, it's, it's Skull and Bone now. And that's supposed to be downtown now? Yeah, Skull and Bone. But we was up here with the Skeleton Men. And that's different. No, they're the same okay. thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> they just changed the they name changed down. They went downtown. Yeah. Okay. All right. And the baby dolls are uh, females. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do they, they don't have uh, female uh, masking Indians. Yeah. They do. Okay. Yeah, queens. Oh, okay, right, right. Yeah. Sure. Like, I got, uh, what, four, four queens with me. Nice. Well, you mentioned uh, uh, Super Sunday a few minutes ago. So what goes on in Super Sunday? Well, uh, it started from a guy downtown named Jerome Smith. He uh, wanted to get uh, the Indians together to all be as one to come out to let the people see, you know, all the Indians together. Mm-hmm. And so he came uptown, and he brought the idea to us. So we joined him, right? And so we would leave from uptown and go downtown. And then they started uh, a little further downtown. <laughs> then they started a little further. Then they started all the way downtown. We got out and started our own Super Sunday. 
And, you know, that was for the people that don't get the chance to see the Indians, you know, because Mardi Gras, if uh, we is on the corner and we leave and you come up and you see the Indians went right down there, right down there, you'd never find us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd never find us, you know. So that was a way to get all the people to get out to see the Indians. You know, like now people come all over the world to see right. the Indians as one, you know. Okay. And that's how that created. And that's an important show because um, show show of strength between everybody. Yeah, exactly. You get a chance to see all the Indians. Nice. Who's the prettiest, Monk? Me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I say me. Everybody going to see that. But, know. you know, <laughs> if, uh, I would say everybody is pretty. There you go. Because color is pretty. Yes. But your suit is not but the work you put into it. And I'm going to say this. The regular Indian out there going to start the hair. He going to start some shit. Believe me. Right. <laughs> the Because right. he looking at this guy that put in all his time and spent money and he looked good. Uh-huh. And he knew he looked better than him. You don't have to tell him he ragged. He already yeah. know. <laughs> I would say the raggiest one is, is the one who's going to learn the most. Yeah. He going he to straighten out, though, you know, if he keep doing it. He going to learn how to put it together, you know, and what it costs and how much it is and take your time and do it right. Right. I love how the... Uh, they use the word pretty. Indians are pretty. Not beautiful, not magnificent. Pretty. pretty. That's that's the key word with the Indians. I mean, they say pretty, pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, uh, let's uh, take a little break here. Uh, the, the feral listeners know what to do. You can go uh, refresh your cocktail if you need to, and uh, we'll be right back. Yeah. Go back to when I was a kid. Daddy waking us at the break of dawn. He said he had to go and carry on Listen to the sound of the bell Big Chief Monk Boudreaux, back with my co-host John Papagro. I am Renee Coleman inside the Feral Zone. 
So, uh, Monk, we were, we were, I mentioned early on that, you know, your, your recording career, your recording career with, with uh, Wild Magnolias, but, but then also your solo career and your career with the, the recording career with the Golden Eagles have, a, have, have put out records with both of those groups. But uh, you, you have a, your most recent record I mentioned uh, is a, a Grammy-nominated record, uh, Bloodstains and Teardrops. Congratulations on that. Yeah. And that's an exciting record. So uh, you uh, you went down to Jamaica and and recorded with some guys there, right? Tell us about that. How did that all happen? Well, my uh, manager Ruben, you know, he does uh, reggae music, you know. So he, uh, Ruben Williams, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, Ruben Williams. So they was uh, talking about it. So uh, a friend of his said, "Well, let's bring Monk down there and do some record." Okay. He said, them guys ought to be able to hang in there with Monk. Okay, so we went down there and uh, went in the studio. And they had a drummer and a bass player. And he, we brought the um, lead guitar player with us, you know. So we got in the studio. And they say, well, what you want to do? I say, well, I come in here to sing. What y'all come in here to do play? So he said, all right, let me hear what you got. And I got in that little room and then start singing and they start playing. And guess when we come out, we was finished. <laughs> now, I understand that you you didn't really have anything prepared when you went down there. You wrote, wrote it all uh, in, in the studio, is that correct? Well, I, I sing from here. From your head. Huh? One time I was uh, writing and I had some scrambles on my uh, desk and a friend of mine came in he was a musician also mm-hmm. and when I look all that was gone and then I it, it was a second line uh, musician Ooh. and I hear that boom 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 shotgun jump all over the street you know I said oh I ain't gonna do that no more uh. so <laughs> when I get in in the studio uh, I know what I'm going in there for and when I get in there I can go from one song to another hmm which a lot of people can't do it, but I can do it. And because uh, uh, once I put it in here, all I got to do is let it out when the time comes. Uh-huh. So you already have some themes you want to talk oh. about? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, every time I go in the studio, like this uh, last record, I did that uh, Bloodstains and Teardrop. It was like uh, we had to think, Tab Benoit, he don't like reggae music, you know, so... Uh, okay. And he's Tad Benoit is a co-producer of this. Yeah, this right. So we wanted him to produce it. So I, I told my manager, I said, uh, look, maybe I ought to do a little blues on this and make Tab happy and <laughs> produce the song. Yeah. And we did. Okay. And we got in there, you know, like two days. I was finished, you know, put it together. Right. And I so, uh, you know, coming up and where I come up at, they had a lot of old guys used to sing the blues and play the blues. I know if y'all know Arnie Vincent. Yes. Oh, yeah. His dad used to come from work every day and get on his step and play his guitar and sing the blues. I used to go sit down there and listen to him every day. And then another old man named Brummo, he used to go to the store singing. I used to follow him to the store. And he told me, say, if you're going to follow me to the store, you might as well go to the store for me, you know. <laughs> 
And so, you know, I had heard the blues all my life, you know, as, as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I could sing the blues. So I told Ruben, let's, let's do some blues in there and make Tab happy so he could up with this record. Cause, <laughs> and that's what happened, you know. And we got in there and turned out, it came out to be, a, you know, pretty good record. Yeah, man, the the, the, the two sets of material uh, mingles oh, yeah. well, you know. They're, yeah. they're all, all lined up. And, and man... Uh, you know, after all these years of, of making all these these landmark records, to to finally have uh, you know the 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 Grammys uh, uh, you know pay attention, it's about time, huh? Yeah, well, you're right. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> time is overdue. Right. You know, but hey, like you know, our music that people didn't they didn't consider it as music. You know, it was hard for them to, you know, any time the first time we uh, recorded, we even played Carnegie Hall, you know. And ain't too many people you know have been in Carnegie Hall. Right. But they say we was four hour time, so hey, they know, you know, so that put us on the back burner. We've been on there ever since. But we're still doing what we do. I'm doing it, and I ain't going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's something that, that, People, especially people not from here, it's compelling to them, but they look at it, they don't know how to relate to it. You know, it's like there's, nothing, there's no bridge between, it's so different from, from what they've experienced. I think that, that might be part of it, that they, they you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, a, well, it takes, well, takes well, some knowledge to... Yeah, they'll come in for Jazz Fest or Mardi Gras and they'll see it. Yeah. And then they get be, it. But because they don't, they'll get it or understand it. But they'll take that home, and it, there's nothing like it anywhere around them. But what they don't realize is this is a culture that lasts 365 days a year. Yeah. Every single day, Monk is in here figuring out his next suit, right. the next song, the next chant, the next lesson for the youngsters. You know, it's like promoting the culture. It's like it's 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 not a job. It's a lifestyle. It's a it, it's it's a life. Yes. Yes. And it's hard for anybody from outside of New Orleans to really see that because they're not here to see the nitty gritty. Uh huh. You know, they see the, the lights come on the stage and they see the show, but they don't understand that's just the show part of it. Right. Yeah. Right. That, that there's the 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 you guys are living this every day. Oh yeah. And I was taught to keep the tradition going. <laughs> Right. Which I am. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, uh, just as far as spreading the tradition, I was mentioning to you when I, when I showed up today that uh, you and I actually played on a record together. We were both on uh, Johnny Sansone's uh, Poor Man's Paradise yeah. record that he made after Katrina. And then that uh, I, you do these uh, funk and chant uh shows with john here and and i I've, I've done a couple of those with you so it's always been such a such a uh a, a treat such a, an honor to uh to to get to share you know a recording session or a stage uh, with oh, yeah. you and uh and you've you've also done some other work with other like kind of blues artists uh anders osborne done some recording with him uh i know you you guys go back in fact anders was the producer of that that johnny sansone record i guess yeah. that's that's uh but you've done a bunch of stuff with with johnny sansone since then and and uh i didn't play with everybody in the right, city right <laughs> you know Right, you're you're one of one of the main guys uh, carrying Mardi Gras Indian culture to other forms of music. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like I feel music, you know, and uh, like a friend of mine, she had some musicians in the studio, and uh, 
they just couldn't get it together, you know, and they were some bad musicians. So she called, she said, wait, let me call Monk. And she called me, right? She said, I need your help. I said, do what? She said, I got these musicians in here and they, they, they can't get it together. I said, okay, I'm gonna come over. So I came over to the studio, went in there, I said, what's the problem? I said, okay, y'all go ahead on. And he got the paper in front of him, but he trying to do both, you know. <laughs> I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, don't do that. Read that damn paper, get it down in your head, put it down and do it. <laughs> and he did it. <laughs> right. I read a quote from you, and, and, and it's something that really resonated with me, because it's a truism of art and maybe life in general. You said... And it relates to this thing you just talked about. You said, "Don't think." No, don't think. If you're if you're thinking, your your song gonna be over with. When you, <laughs> when you when you get finished trying to put you you put your ears on. You know, you listen to what's going on. And if you you if you're a musician, you should know how to play anything, right? Because you know, like these guys come from Japan, like Japanese June. You play anything. And he came here with us to Wild Magnolia. Uh-huh. Yeah, he played anything. That is why he's here. Yeah, he played anything. And like, and that's what I be telling him, God, don't think. Because if you think, the song's going to be over with, and you're going to still be, oh, man, I could it, it, play what you feel in your heart, you know? Play it. If you play what's in your heart, you're going to play what's going on in there. Because if you feel it, you're going to know right where to go. Like John, we ain't never rehearsed nothing. No. No. The challenge for me when we play yeah. is uh, give you something new every time. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a uh, good at it. Keep throwing it at you. And I'm a good at it. Your head kicks back and you go, oh! Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, I'm like and then, this. And then you give me that look and I'm like, all right. Now that, we can that now. Is, yeah, that's something new is going to happen every single time. That's the important thing about being a musician is togetherness, you know. And like I play with a, a lot of guys, and uh, I hear they messing up, but I just let them go head on. Y'all do y'all thing. I'm gonna come in there, but once I let them get in there, they're together now because they know what they're doing. I come in, right. Right. I put them where I want them to be at. And once they get where I'm at, we gone from there. It's over with. Okay. It's, it's over. That's it. It's on. I'm listening to them. You know, hey, that's cool. Yeah, what I've learned with, from all of our gigs we've done is I start the groove, make sure we're together, Monk starts. Yeah. And then we feel, we can definitely feel each other out. Right. And then at some point, when it becomes together. That's right. There it is. It elevates. And then you can see the reaction, not only amongst us in the band, but the crowd goes crazy. Oh, yeah. It, it just a, it's a whole other level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And no, why? Because we're together now. Together. Everybody yeah. on the same page. And that oh, doesn't yeah. matter what genre. This is Mardi Gras Indian New Orleans yeah. music, but it could be jazz. It could be rock yeah, and roll. It could well, be blues, classical. It just doesn't matter. Cause that's, uh, the, that's the principle. Cause right. That's, that's what uh, 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 Miles Davis said. Who gonna know the difference? You know, if the song was changed, <laughs> it changes the sound better. You know, uh -huh. and that is. that is right. As long as everybody's together, that's right. As long as everybody together, you ain't got nothing to worry about. And that's what make me feel the way I feel when I put everybody together. Now I'm gone. Now, 
Yeah, I'm gone. Y'all can't stop me now. I ain't gonna let y'all fall off the ladder. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's the yeah. choo-choo. Yeah, I ain't gonna let nice. y'all fall off the ladder, you know. But that's that's music. See, like, you go to school for music, you learn all the basics of it, but when you get on that stage, it's different, you know? And, like, I had uh, went to uh, Arizona, and we went to these guys' house, you know, some musicians I didn't even know. Mm. But they were some bad musicians, and they wrote charts and everything out, you know? Right. I just knew we had it down when we got to the venue. Man, they didn't mix the charts up. They didn't know what I told them. I said, I told the artist, I said, uh, could y'all hold on, excuse me, for just a minute. <laughs> I said, bro, I know you're a bad bass player. Told him, Johnson, but you don't yeah. need that. Yeah. I told to the guitar player, I said, man, I heard you play, and I knew you could play, bro. You don't need no charts. Throw the charts away. And the drummer, Cyril never was with me. He went, he went, took the drums over because the dude I had no idea. Oh. And man, we turned that mother out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got, once they see, once they learned where I'm coming from, they was on it. But they heard me at rehearsal. You know, and they wrote it out. That didn't that work. work. No, 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 that didn't work. Because so, it's going to have you thinking. You're going to be thinking. Oh, well, yeah. Forget everything and follow Monk. Yeah, yeah. that's what they did. Stay together. And yeah. we turned the house out, too. <laughs> nice. Do you remember the first time you heard Indian Red? Uh, yeah. Was that from your dad? No, that was from uh, Black Johnny. He never masked Indian, but he was an Indian. He's one of the baddest Indian singer. I don't and know that name at all. No, where he come from or where? he 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 lived in a reserve. Oh, okay. Yeah, he used to come down and stay here for Mardi Gras till it was over. Where he taught me, so I got all my lessons from him. And uh, when he walk in, everybody stopped. Give it to him. Was this the forties, fifties, sixties? That that was back in. Uh, I said no. They didn't have any practice in the bar back then. This was in the seventies, seventies. So Indian Red really didn't start before the seventies. No, no, no. Indian Red was out there every morning. Okay. Yeah, that's that was the prayer. Right, right, right. And which you, if you see the Indians when they leave, and that was the prayer what they sung every morning. All the tribe do that one. And, and you've you know, known that since you were a boy. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's such a sacred song to me. Yeah, it right. is. I mean, it's telling you what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and you have your uh, the people lined up. You've been. Teaching the the young people all these songs that you've uh, all these chants that you've that that you've carried along. You, oh yeah, you, you feel like all this is tradition is in good hands going forward. Well, two of them was nominated for Grammys. Nice, nice. <laughs> there you go, man. That's my son and my grandson. Nice. nice. You know, yeah, they was right there with me. You know. Every foot, one years old. You look on the pictures up there. One years old. We bring them in right yeah you know. it's got to that's got to feel so so gratifying huh yeah and then i uh sent them to school for music you know okay because i didn't have the chance to do that mm. but 
I still had the power to do it, you know. So y'all might not be as fortunate as me, so go to school and learn it. And then you'll know it, and it'll be easy for you. It comes to me natural, but that don't mean it gonna come to you natural. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, this has been uh, what a fantastic uh, sitting with you and getting all this knowledge passed. And I know you're, uh, Monk, uh, you and John are going to Spain uh, yeah. soon. You're going to go carry this music uh, back to Europe and, uh, and uh, blow some minds over there. <laughs> we can do something. We're going to yeah. have a good time and uh, uh, yeah. raise the roof. Uh, it, it's going to be special. Oh, uh, We're going to do that. <laughs> Believe me, we're going to do that. Bring some fire over there, yeah. for <laughs> Right on. Well, you keep doing it, Monk. Cause man, that's uh, uh, you know, it's it's you're such a treasure, man. We uh, we, we owe you so much, man. Well, I got to keep doing it. Right. I don't know nothing else. I hear you, man. And I want to make sure it's gonna continue after I'm gone. Right on. Amen. Well, uh, as always on the Feral Zone, I'd like to uh, thank John and thank my, my guest, uh, uh, Big Chief Monk Boudreaux of the Golden Eagles. And for everyone in the Feral Zone, I am Renee Coman signing off.
Shawnee hunters, and we don't bow down. We don't bow down on nobody's ground. Nobody's ground. Oh, how we love to hear you call us Indian Red. Here comes the spy boy, the flag boy. But watch that crazy wild man, the wildest in the lowlands, and you love our queen, love our queen. queen of New Orleans. Indian Red. <laughs> 